So fraudulent dealing, uh, and you keep it. It's not, this isn't, I forgot. This is, you know, I'd just like to hang on to this. And um, they can come ask me if they want it back. That would be fraudulent dealing, all right? The fraudulent dealing, false weights and measures. Um, and again, you think of the balance where if you're buying something and the weight goes into one side and your product, and, and so some of the businesses would tamper with the weights so that, in effect, you are paying more for less. Um, and so it's, it's dishonesty in business is what I categorize that one as. Dishonesty, cheating in business, cheating in business. And, and if anybody has comments or anything on any of these, feel free. You've got the proof text. And, and again, I'm not going to read through the proof text. Some of them we've already looked at, and you can go through those. Removing landmarks, uh, that's tampering with the pins, the boundary pins. I mean, just what it says. Um, you move it over, and if you move the pin, obviously, why do you move a pin? Or a boundary marker? To get more land, to take your neighbor's land away from him. All right, you just move your corner pin, which, by the way, in case you're ever tempted to do it, it is a crime to, uh, to do that. I think it's a misdemeanor, but uh, it is a crime. John. What are you thinking? Well, it wasn't in the sense that this is talking about. It, it, in one sense, there's a similarity. But this, the, the boundary here is a specific moving of a pen, a marker. The old surveys, you went from a red oak to a stone to an axle to a whatever. Uh, and um, now most of them are iron pen or open top pipe or a crimp top pipe or a nail and cap in the road or whatever it happens to be. But um, it's, it's taking that pin up and moving it. Because obviously, you do a survey, it's a lot harder today to, to do this and get away with it, because our surveying stuff is so much more accurate. But um, you obviously, you move it. Well, if I'm going from this corner to this corner, and I move this pin over, now instead of going here, I'm going here. So I'm taking in all the land that's right there uh, as a result of that pin being moved. Okay? So just deciding what belongs to somebody else ought to be mine. Um, but it's, it's a form of theft. All right. Uh, injustice and unfaithfulness in contracts between man and man. And this one is a little tougher in one sense. I mean, it seems, I guess, obvious enough on his face. But with this one, I would suggest to you that here it's a matter of I get the job done, but I just don't do it as completely, maybe, as I really should have. You know, and there's some jobs and things we do that are that way that I can go the extra mile, and the extra mile would 
suggest that I'm doing more than the contract required of me, and maybe I am. But I can cut corners too. And I can cut corners and finish an hour sooner. But I get paid the same thing. Now, no one may ever know. No one may ever even pick up on it. They may. They may not. And where they don't, where it can be kind of lost in the shuffle, uh, is where sometimes we're the most tempted to do it. But it's a violation of the It's stealing. You're taking money from them for a job that you really didn't do completely. So the uh, dealing with each other honestly, uprightly, and in this day and age, and, and we can be guilty of it too, we, uh, we want to deal with each other just as um, to the extent we have to. I mean, we're being watched. When we're being watched, we tend to want to try to be honest. We at least certainly appear that way. But this is where maybe you're doing the job and nobody's watching you. No one's going to know but you and the Lord. Maybe the person you're working for, but you and the Lord. So, injustice and unfaithfulness. Unfaithfulness. It's an interesting word there, isn't it? Connected with contracts? Unfaithfulness in contracts between man and man. Or in matters of trust, that's where somebody's given something to you for you to take care of for them, and you don't do the job you should do. You know, they give you something and you let it sit out in the weather and rust. They give you some money to take care of and you are careless with it and you can't pay it back to them when the time comes or they don't get back what they should have gotten back in the way of return. Uh, talk about fiduciary relationships where you have an obligation towards someone to act on their behalf uh, in connection with what you have of theirs. Um, so banks, trust departments at banks would be a common example. Uh, the trust department has to deal with your assets in a way that is in your best interest, that's reasonable. Buying lottery tickets wouldn't be reasonable, um, no matter how lucky they felt. Um, oppression, oppression, um, taking advantage. I, I, you might think of this taking advantage of a of an inferior superior relationship. You you've. Somebody works for you and, and they need the job and you know they need the job and they know they need the job and you simply take advantage. You make them work way more than, than uh, maybe you would have to. Uh, you make them do other things, take them away from their family, take them away from whatever. Obviously, if you don't pay them, you're stealing from them there in the form of wages as well. But uh, that's uh, the, the 
oppression aspect. And so a lot of these can overlap, uh, just like the extortion. Uh, extortion is, is using your position or power to steal from them. You know, it's just a matter. That's just obvious. The oppression is, is laying extra burden on them. Extortion is just outright taking from them. That's the whole goal. Um, either you pay me or I shut you down. You know, we would think of the, the mafia that way, whatever. Extortion coming from that. Usury, we've talked about that. Interest, uh, how much do you charge somebody on a loan? Do you charge them at all? And again, we, we discuss the circumstances, uh, the abilities, the needs, the situation can all factor into that. I'm not going to say you can't ever charge interest, but if you have somebody and you charge them 15% interest, you're wrong. I, mean, I don't care what the circumstances are. Uh, so you can go from one extreme to the other, but the hard ones are in the norm. You know, do you charge the going rate? Do you charge a little more than the going rate? Because they can't go to the bank, maybe, and borrow it. Maybe their credit's not quite good enough. So you can say, well, I'm taking a little greater risk, and arguably you are. Okay? They can't get it at the bank. It's because the bank says you're too great a risk. So now if you loan it to them, you're taking a little greater risk. So normally the risk, the, the interest rate will relate to the risk. That's why you go get um, money at uh, one of the, the, the corner pawn shop loan deals, 20%, 25%. I mean, it, you know, um, if you're getting a second or a third mortgage loan type thing, the rate's going to keep going up because you're a greater risk. But usually, just don't make it excessive as, as based on the circumstances, whatever it is. Usually, the bribery, again, using um, your... your you're stealing by getting somebody to help you, all right? You got a friend in, in high places. So, or on the other side, you get a favor. Here, I'll give you some money. You drop the charge or you do whatever. Um, it's interesting, isn't it, that uh, sometimes the things missionaries come back and let you know uh, and, and talk about that, if you don't if you don't bribe an official, you won't get anything done. You know, that that's the position that a lot of these countries uh, they're in, and it makes it rather difficult. What do you do? Um, but it's the way of life in those places. Um, and and the the people know it. Now I say you don't get anything done. You certainly don't get anything done quickly, maybe would be a better way to say it. Uh, they might eventually, 
do what it is you're trying to do, but it might be six months, it might be a year, it might be two years later. So it's, uh, it's, it's a hard thing. We don't deal with it that much here. The bribery here is the money to the police officer who pulled you over and it's your third DUI and you know you're going to jail and you're going to lose your license and whatever and you just, you know, hey, can, can we work out some kind of an arrangement here? Uh, and unfortunately, you read in the papers where that happens. You know, judges. Uh, it, it can be any any body in the in the chain. It could be the the prosecuting the the solicitor, prosecuting attorney um, for the state for the county, whoever he's working for. It can be that. Okay, you know, we can uh, we can work this so that instead of you being charged with theft, uh, we we can get it down to a misdemeanor. Okay, you're still charged with theft, but maybe instead of looking at five to ten years, you're looking at a couple of months, if at all. All right? Misdemeanors you generally don't go to jail for. Um, maybe probation a little bit, but usually it's a fine more than it's jail time. So uh, bribery, um, using money to, uh, to get out of what we owe otherwise. Maybe we bribe an employee of someone we owe money to. Remember the uh, parable of the fellow that was in trouble, and he, so he went to all the all of the uh, debtors of his master, cut them deals. Uh, you know, pay me half, and I'll. So he signed off forgiving. Um, and he did that, not, not to help the people out, but he did that to gain favor. All right? So it was happening back then, and it hadn't changed, hadn't changed. Um, the bribery, the vexatious lawsuits, vexatious term that Bob used here, when we were talking about the lawsuits, and I would look at this as harassment in any form, all right? The vexatious lawsuit, certainly that's a mer one without merit. Uh, and, and you're just doing something. You're doing something, and the lawsuit may be, in this day and age, a very, um, or, oh, it's an oppressive way in that it takes your time, but it can take a lot of money. Uh, if you get sued, you got to defend it. And that's what a lot of times they know. So they're banking on uh, you giving them some money so you don't pay a bunch of money to an attorney. Uh, yeah, you know, you're going to spend 10000 bucks defending this action. You know, I'll settle for three. And you look at it and you say, sure, why not? You know, if I can be done with it, don't have to fool with it. Uh, do I owe 3000 No, I don't owe 3000 And some folks would say, uh-uh. You know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see it through. But some would say no for two reasons. One, I'm not, not going to take a chance that this guy knows the judge. 
you know, I wind up owing 10,000 bucks uh, after I go through all of it, or I just don't want to have to fool with it, so I'll pay. And harassment, staying after somebody, good or bad, you know, we talked about values and, and taking advantage of people. You know something is worth a certain amount, and the other person has no clue. They don't want to sell the thing to you, though, even at the price you're wanting to buy it at. But you just stay after them and stay after them and harass them. And, hey, you know, and you're calling them and you're stopping by and you're taking their time until finally they say, look, all right, here, I'll just sell it to you. All right? So maybe two things there. One, you're taking advantage of their lack of knowledge of the value, but the harassment here is the other side of it, just staying after them until they finally relent and do the thing you're trying to, uh, to get done at whatever price. Unjust enclosures and depopulations. It's an interesting little phrase. And, and, and idea, but basically it, it has to do with, um, with driving people from their land, right? Um, under whatever circumstances, but it's, it's, it's taking advantage so that if they're in a little financial trouble, fine, you know, hey, I'll, I'll pick up your mortgage. Uh, and, and take care of that for you so you won't have a bad credit rating. But they got 50 grand of equity in the place. But they don't, you know, they don't see a way out. You know, I'll take it, I'll, I'll buy your house, take up the mortgage, and you can continue to live there for a while. You know, you can cut deals that, and it happens all the time. And, and different people have to decide before the Lord how they see this. Uh, I was talking to somebody recently uh, dealing with a foreclosure. All right? No. Tax sale. Tax sale. Uh, property in the tax sale. And so obviously people haven't paid their property taxes. And their property then gets sold in the tax sale to pay the property taxes. Property taxes might be $1,000. Property might be worth 100000 Okay? But if they don't have the money, they don't have the money. And the question came, and especially if, the, if it's raw land, it's just one thing. If it's their house and they're living there, and maybe it's somebody that's older, and they just had some expenses and they just can't pay their taxes. So you go buy the house at the tax sale, and eventually you get title to it. And they ask me, is it wrong to do that? and then kick them out of the house. Now there's nothing illegal about it. It's part of the system. It's the way the county gets their taxes, the property taxes. But can you as a believer take advantage of that situation and kick them out of their house? And that was the question that was posed to me. And in everyday life, foreclosures would be another similar, somewhat similar situation. People can't pay their mortgage, so the, more, the, the lender forecloses on the property. 
fine. I'll sell the, your house in order to pay myself off because you haven't paid me the monthly payment, so I'm going to sell your house and, and you're going to have to leave. And again, they have a right to do that. That's why they took the collateral to start with. And you willingly gave them that collateral to get the loan. So there's nothing illegal about it and nothing inherently wrong with it from a business standpoint. It's the way commerce functions quite frequently. Buy a car, you don't make the payments, well they do, come take the car right out of your driveway. Drive off with it. Uh, house takes a little bit more to, uh, to foreclose than just coming in and changing the locks on your doors. But they do that. And it's just a matter of, is it right? You, you as a believer, can you do that? And um, I have thoughts about it, and um, I'm assuming others, some would say, yes, it's okay, because they're going to lose it. Somebody's going to buy it. And the other person's going to kick them out. And they would. Okay, they would. Or they'd turn around and rent it back to them and just charge them rent, whatever. But it, it, they, they don't have the right to be there any longer. So you can make the argument that, well, you know, uh, I can be sim more sympathetic maybe to them. I can help them out a little bit. Uh, maybe I give them a reduced rent to stay there. And others might say, no. Uh, if I want the house, technically, what's our obligation under the Eighth Commandment? If I want to buy that property, what should I do? What do you think? Would you, if, if you're going to buy something from someone under the Eighth Commandment, what's your duty? Give them a fair price. Give them a fair price. Fair for you, fair for them. So, if the property's in the tax sale, you know, and they advertise these things and whatnot, as a Christian, what would be one, at least if you wanted the property, what would be a way to deal with it? Just go to them ahead of time. Say, look, you're going to lose your property in the tax sale. How about you sell it to me right now? I think your property's worth this. That's what I'll pay you for. You know? Who knows? Maybe you find out what the circumstances are and why it's in the tax sale. Maybe you wind up helping them save their house. So it, a lot of things that happen today, but what's, what's, the, uh, what's the enticement to do the tax sale? Yeah, you, you, get, you, get, uh, you, you get something very cheap. Like I said, the taxes may be $1,000. A property may be worth. And by the way, property that goes through the tax sale goes free of mortgages. So you can have a $300,000 piece of property. You can owe $250,000 on it. You don't pay the taxes. It goes through the tax sale and, and somebody buys it. That mortgage just drops off of it. The mortgage company can't foreclose anymore. That's why mortgage companies require escrow, and they pay the taxes. All right? 
They watch those things and keep up with it. So it um, gets to be difficult. Gets to be difficult, but it's worth thinking about. Yes, sir. Not necessarily. I mean, you, you you could make some some arguments that if I bought the property as mine, why should somebody be able to tax? Should you have a road in front of your property? Should you have water? Should you have police protection if somebody breaks into your house? Should you have fire protection if your house starts burning? In part, that's... Should, should uh, you know, public school, the school, hospital, there are a number of things that your property tax goes to. So, you know, I, I think rendering to Caesar in this case, a lot of those are legitimate uh, and beneficial. In fact, your land probably has the value it does, or your property has the value it does because of the services that those property taxes bring to your land. So, you know, you can pay the property tax or you can go drill the well and have the septic system and, and uh, you know, re repave the road, put gravel down, and at the end of the day, you very well may pay as much as you're paying in the property tax, depending on where you are. <laughs> if, you, if you come from the Northeast, they, they pay more in property tax per month than we pay per year. I think I'm probably safe. Would that be about right? That's right. <laughs> it's right. I mean, seriously. Um, when you stop and think that uh, they put a cap on the deductibility of pro for property taxes on your income tax, they put a cap of whatever it was, 25 grand or something. And people in New York, and when I had a fit, because they were paying way more than that in property tax. So, you know, there may be times where it's, uh, it, it's out of line, but the remedy is you go to the ballot box and you vote and you put people in that'll reduce those taxes. So there is a remedy, theoretically, anyway. Uh, good. All right. Anything else? All right. Where am I? Engrossing commodities to enhance the price. That's basically um, just um, stockpiling. You, you buy up everything so then you can, you can um, charge more, right? Sure. I mean, the antitrust stuff is, is geared, aimed at that. The, the Sherman antitrust laws would be, would be aimed at, at some of that. I mean, you know, that would be an argument. That was an argument with the telephone company. Uh, I'm waiting for it. it. hadn't come out yet, but I'm waiting for it to be used against the, um, those that control the Internet. Uh, certainly uh, pretty much a monopoly. So, but yeah, if you can do it and you use it, I mean, we, we have it every time if commodity, and that's not stockpiling, but if uh, commodity becomes because of a disaster or whatnot, and the price gouging, you know, 
that's even being talked about right now because the gas prices are going up because the oil companies are wanting to gouge uh, as opposed to the other factors that uh, are much more likely to be the reason. But stockpiling to drive up the prices. Unlawful callings is what it says, occupations that may be legal, right? Maybe legal, but would be sinful if you or I did them. Okay? So certainly if they're not, not legal to start with, we can't be involved in it. But, and again, keep it in mind, in the form of stealing. So maybe I'm engaged in an occupation that's, again, taking advantage of somebody's situation. I get money because they're in a hard way. Or maybe it's to play on their sin, and I use their temptation and whatnot to gain. Casinos, right? Places of chance would be a, a very good example. Perfectly legal. Sure, sure. I mean, we, we could look at a number of things, but... Um, Uh, and all other unjust or sinful ways of taking or withholding from our neighbor what belongs to him or of enriching ourselves. So that, that kind of covers everything else that would be in some form of oppression. That could be the oppression, poverty, wages, whatever it is, uh, as far as that goes. Now, the, like these last few deal more with... Uh, mainly how we deal with ourselves, things that we, we, have to, we have to grapple with. 20, covetousness. We're going to come to that, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but it's, it's mis misusing our time, our efforts, just, just wasting it, wanting. Um, spending time, inordinate time, uh, drooling over things that we really wish we had. Um, and it can take other forms, and again, we'll hit it uh, a little more with um, the Tenth Commandment. Uh, B, and I, I, I looked at that when I said it's, it's wrong desires. The, the covetousness, and, and all these are a wrong something. Uh, for this one, I put wrong desires. Uh, on number 20, the um, covetousness. Inordinate prizing and affecting worldly goods. Uh, wrong values, wrong values. Making, making gain equal godliness. Uh, sound familiar? Okay. Those who would say, whoa, the Lord's really blessing you. They have nothing to do with the Lord blessing you. It may be. The Lord may indeed be blessing you. So having wealth is not sinful, but using that and, and seeking it to, to satisfy yourself, to convince yourself that God's blessing you. You must be pleasing God because look what you're getting. Look what you're getting. Okay? 
So our wrong values, uh, both in, in, in getting and in giving, uh, people, people would use this, well, if I'm giving a lot to charity, if I'm giving a lot to the church, surely I'm gaining favor with God. He's pleased with that, is he not? No. We, we are using what we think to be good things to satisfy what we know in our heart. There's something missing. Something missing. Distrustful and distracting cares and studies in getting, keeping, and using them, the worldly goods. Um, distrustful and distracting cares and studies in getting, keeping, and using them. Uh, this one I labeled the wrong attitude. Wrong, wrong attitude. In essence, what we our memory passage, right? It's what our memory passage is dealing with. This very thing. We give ourselves way too much to worrying about, and, and I got I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. Uh, to get these things, to have these things, as opposed to faith, trusting the Lord, who knows what we have need of, right? And provides those. Not an excuse to not work. Right? Not an excuse to not work. But certainly, if we are overdoing what we're doing just to gain wealth, because I need enough for 20 years from now, Okay, planning's wise, but, you know, overdoing it and missing out now relative to something that you don't know if you'll be here 20 minutes from now, much less 20 years. So you've got to balance it. You've got to balance it. Envying at the prosperity of others. Uh, envying at the prosperity of others. Now that one I just said the wrong influence. You know, people that are have success, whether it's monetary, whether it's political, whether it's sports, whether it's whatever it is. All right, we um, we 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 envy their prosperity. And why in the world would we envy the prosperity of the wicked? Because we know their end. Now what? Asaph in his psalm. How I considered, but then I considered their end. And why would we envy at a brother or sister in the Lord prospering? We ought to be rejoicing with them and glad for them. Just just joyful about it. Wonderful. Amen. It's it's good that they're 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 doing well. And the Lord's and, and you know, the Lord knows what they have need of, the Lord providing. Maybe because they're doing something we have no clue about. And what looks like prosperity is just the Lord using them to meet another need that we've talked about. Uh, idleness, idleness, wrong activities, wrong use of our time. The, uh, the next one, the prodigality, wasteful gaming, in all other ways whereby we do unduly prejudice our 
own outward estate. Uh, that prodigality is an extravagant use of our assets. Had no clue what that was. Uh, so I looked that one up. But it's, it's, it's being wasteful. All right. It's, it's just doing things that are just way off the deep end uh, that, that don't need to be done. And again, as believers, we'd expect that out of the unbeliever, wouldn't we? Because that's where they're getting their satisfaction. They're, they're satisfying their soul with their goods. For believers, not going to satisfy your soul, is it? And our goods are for a given thing. All right. The, uh, the last, the wrong activities, uh, wrong use of our time and our resources were the 24, 25, and 26. Uh, wrong planning. Um, 26 is, and defrauding ourselves of the due use and comfort of that estate which God hath given us. So again, not, not, the, if the Lord gives it to you to enjoy and you don't enjoy it, you have stolen from yourself what the Lord has given you to allow you to enjoy. Again, wise enjoyment, but enjoy it. And, and be thankful in doing it. Uh, you know, we, we often, as we do these things, we just don't take into account just how short life is. Even long life, as we would use the term. The brevity of life, the frailty of life, how quickly things can change. And money and assets often mean nothing. Nothing. You can't buy health. All right? Just can't do it. And you can't extend your life. I don't care how wealthy you are. So let's use it properly. All right. Next week, Lord willing, we will pick up with the ninth commandment finally. All right? Thought we'd never get there, didn't you? Be thinking about that. Not bearing false witness. Not bearing false witness. Be thinking about ways and things. We'll, we'll get into it. So, all right, let's pray. Father, again, we're grateful for your day and for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your help. And we pray that the things we consider, things that we know, often we uh, perhaps even have, have been tempted in, in some of these areas without giving a lot of thought to it. And, and realizing that there, there are things more important than just this life and this day. So, Lord, help us to be mindful of how we use that which you put in our hands. Help us be mindful of how we can use it for the advancement of thy kingdom. Bless us in the time between now and the service. But, Lord, we would ask especially that you would come and Visit with us here this day. Be in our midst. Bless the preaching especially of thy word. Lord, open our ears and our hearts to receive what you, what you have for us this day. May we feast on manna from heaven, as it were. So do us good, we pray, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.